Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is somebody who's no stranger to the podcast. I've been on his podcast because he has two of them. I mean, this guy's a go-getter. He has two podcasts, two YouTube series. He has four books. He's probably, he probably working on the fifth book right now. Today's guest is author, speaker, podcaster, YouTuber, solopreneur, Vincent A. Lancey. Welcome to the podcast, Vincent. Leo, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to talk with you again. Yeah, man, this is going to be dope. And, and, you know, I really want to jump into it because I'm excited. You have a new book called, I don't know if it's new. I don't know how new it is. It's new to me, but Mental Health Week. And I love the title of this book because I was just in Alaska and I was talking to someone who, uh, after one of my comedy shows, she's a veterinarian. And she said that she works for three weeks, and then she takes the fourth week of every month off as a mental health week. And I had never heard of anybody doing that. Now, granted, you know, you had to be some kind of privileged to be able to take an entire week off. I know my mom's growing up couldn't do that. My dad couldn't do that. I can't even do that. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. But you have a book called Mental Health Week. Uh, talk to us about that. I want to definitely get into your your traumatic brain injury, but I want to start off with the book. I want to even take you back one step. That is the brand new book, book four, which we will talk about, but you brought up mental health weeks. In my third book, Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health, that's the book for older students and adults where I collaborated with six other experts where there's a seven-day workbook to work on your mental health a little bit each day, and hopefully you repeat these exercises and turn into a lifestyle my chapter is on mental health days each week, mental health breaks throughout the day, and getting enough rest each night. I love how she does the mental health week. I'm a, no stranger to the mental health day each week. Once I wore myself down one too many times, I realized the importance of taking that day where I don't do any work. Every idea I get, I write it on a notepad. I don't open up the computer. I make sure I do not. Because I come back stronger the next day that I took that rest, no matter how much work we have, we have to remember to rest or we're not going to be able to accomplish our goals. No matter what, mental health comes first. There is no entrepreneurship without mental health. And, and I'm emphasizing this for the listeners out there because we know that perfectionism, burnout, go, 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 ambition is so linked to suicide rates and part of that is because not only are we trying to do things perfectly and we're trying to do things now we also uh, are over identifying with the work that we do so i am nothing without uh being an author without being a podcaster without being a mother without being a father without you know we, we have these labels we put on ourselves and a lot of us are trying so hard to live up to the expectations of these labels of, of, of how we are, are identifying ourselves through, through our performance that we're afraid. We're afraid to take time off. We're afraid to take a mental health break, to take a second, to meditate, to journal, to, like you said, write it down and say, I'm going to do that tomorrow, right? Because we're, we're, we're all caught up in this, in this rat race is that was that part of your experience, uh, Vincent, prior to I, the traumatic brain injury? 
Prior to the traumatic brain injury, I was a student who could look over a piece of paper before an exam and get a B on the test, no problem. I wasn't a genius or anything. I'm not saying that, but I was able to retain that information, use my common sense, and, and get a good grade. After the traumatic brain injury, I became a student who now had to read, write, type, read, write, type, read, write, type over and over and over again just to retain a tenth of the information. I had to rewire my brain because it was either sit and sulk, cry, why me, why me, why is this a traumatic brain injury happening to me, or I turned something horrible to something great by being able to share my story, helping that person out there who is in similar shoes. And now, as you mentioned, we are up to the fourth book, the second one on mental health, just to do just that, give back through my stories and experiences, which I know you do quite a bit, Leo. So before you even get into what does mental uh, mental health week or mental health day or moment even looks like, talk, talk to us about the traumatic brain injury. How did that take place? How old were you? How long ago was this? And, and what were the, the challenges after? Yeah, I hope your listeners can really put themselves into my shoes. I'm going to be very vivid for you, Leo. It was 21 years old. My first friend to turn 21. We went out for his birthday as the night's ending. I'm an early bird, as you know by now. I'm up and at him early. We, midnight had passed, and I was getting tired a little bit after that. Instead of getting in the car with someone drinking and driving or not drinking driving themselves, you know, in any of that situation, I decided to walk home, lived about a mile away, did the walk all the time with friends, no problem. As I'm walking home, I forget my keys. I get to my door, but I live next to a gas station, figure get some Gatorades, hang out until my roommates get back. I'm getting restless because I'm tired. I want to just go to sleep with my dog, go back out to try to find my roommates. Can't find them. So I turn back one more time. I just didn't know that this last 10 minute walk would be almost a death sentence. I get to the about, a, I don't know, I could probably throw a football to my front door if I had that type of arm. I go to cross the street to my house. And as I'm getting over from the bicycle lane to the sidewalk, a car crept up behind me, took me out. The police officer, I happened to be at a police checkpoint where this happened, said I went as high as a basketball hoop, landed on my face. I had a traumatic brain injury, broken tib fib where my bone came out of my leg. They had to put a rod in there for the rest of my life, a couple bolts to make sure that I'm able to walk again. So from that point, them not thinking I'll make it through the initial evening to then the doubt shifting to I'll never walk, talk or do anything on my own again. To 24-7 aid the rest of my life, to never graduating, you name it. Every expectation was thrown at me, and that's where I learned that expectations are just that. That's what people expect. It's either you live up to their expectations or you define your own. So you have rods placed in you. They're not expecting you to walk. What kind of drugs are they pumping you with? Man... I could tell you some crazy stories, Leo. With a traumatic brain injury, you already have trouble difficult you already have difficulty separating dreams from reality. You don't really know what's what. When I woke up from the coma after a few days, the nurse had said, Vince, what school do you go to? I had responded, Pulaski Elementary School. I was a 21-year-old finance student who thought I was in kindergarten. So that's how far back I was. At that point, I had the pain in my leg because I just had surgery. I was on painkillers, the morphine, you name it, plus combining that with the confusion of being a traumatic brain injury survivor. I was in the shower one day. I couldn't move myself. I sat in a plastic bench, picture a locker room for sporting a, a sport team, nozzles. I'm on a plastic bench. The guy's got a hose on me. I put shampoo in my hair, whatever, real uncomfortable. 
But as I'm looking at the water go into the drains, I'm seeing red water. I'm seeing blood. I thought I was in Silence of the Lambs. That was just one way that my brain was playing tricks on me. I talk about all this in great detail in my first book, Left for Dead, because my mom had a journal where she kept note of everything I said, did, ridiculous things, everything I ate, you name it, during those first two weeks. And now it's a tool to help other people who are in that situation. So you talk about the pain in your leg. Uh, it sounds like you're ha having some uh, uh, auditory and maybe uh, visual hallucinations mm -hmm. uh, with that. There's also confusion. Um, and what about, you know, when I think about a car accident, traumatic brain injury, different surgeries, I, I know this is a random question, but what about going to the bathroom? Like, was that, like, oh, dude, you don't even understand. I'm laying in my me. bed and I can't even get up. I have to click a button, wait for a nurse to come in, and then I got to have someone else hold me up while I pee. Or I started out, um, it's very blurry the beginning of my, my uh, experience. Whatever was documented helped a great deal. I'm still in great contact with the amazing doctors and nurses at Tampa General Hospital. I'm humbled to be on one of the councils there, the family and patient board. They, I had to go from sitting down to peeing to holding up against the wall, being held up. Obviously, I had the catheter in at one point because I was out. I was in a coma for almost a week, and then I had the surgery, and then I came out of the medically induced coma after that. It was just very blurry and just confusing time, and that's what makes a traumatic brain injury scary and far worse than the broken leg i'm only i'm a short guy i'm not going pro in anything anyway you know, i'm not an athlete that way i it was because of someone else's poor decision my life was adversely affected ever more and i'm just trying to make the most of it each day and so what's going on for you internally because right now you know the the how long ago was this accident this was my senior year 2013 january so we're almost 10 years removed. We're about eight years out. Crazy. And I, I would imagine there was a range of emotions that coursed through you. Can you take us through that? Because a lot of people who are going through this might feel shame or guilt or feel like they're not like being angry or resentful or, or whatever. Like they're trying to suppress those emotions down. And I would imagine you went through a range of emotions. I'm absolutely happy to touch on this because something I learned is no matter how many doctors or nurses tell you what may happen, hearing it from the horse's mouth, if you will, goes such a further goes much further. Hearing what a fellow traumatic brain injury survivor went through, and as I've connected with so many now, it's just great to resonate with each other because we can help each other grow. You're short on edge. You're very angry. You're you're on a you're on a short leash. You feel like everything gets you angry. You're because you're confused. When you're confused, you're not confident. Um, me and my mother bickering back and forth. I can recall it like it was yesterday, going to different doctor's appointments, this and that. But advice I could have for anyone going through the same thing is that do not miss an appointment, a meeting, anything. The more you go to, the quicker you're back to your normal routine. Things may never be different. You can work hard to make the most of your situation. But just because some areas are more challenging doesn't mean that they aren't worth pursuing. So you went through anger, you were short, and and like you said, like your your mom is uh, helping you through this, and I'm sure this is taking a toll on your mom. How long were you in a hospital for? I was in the hospital for a, almost a month. I believe wow. it was like 24 days or something. 
And uh, so you have, we have the physical pain, uh, you know, shooting through your leg, the confusion, the emotional pain of anger and, and um, you know, just trying to piece things together and, and being on edge. Uh, financially, being in a hospital for a month, what was the financial hit? Oh, man, uh, this is a crazy misconception, too. When people hear my story, they automatically think that people who go through something like this have to get a big payout. I still haven't even seen a courtroom. This is 2013. We're talking. There are a lot of pros to Florida, but there are also a lot of cons to Florida. And those is the judicial system where how long things take. Uh, my hospital bills were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had to use my own insurance because at the time, that's just what it was. This was a hit and run accident. They didn't get the guy until they didn't make an arrest until I think almost it was right around my birthday in August. So I want to say like eight months or something. It took so long. And my blood was on the car, my DNA. It was just a very frustrating process, Leo. And I come from a middle class family, working family taught me the definition of hard work and values and morals. And, and if I hit a dog or a squirrel or whatever, I'm going to stop the car and pull over and make sure it's all right. I'm not going to, in my opinion, make a cowardice move and just flee onto the highway. Um, it was off the strip where bars and restaurants are. It was late at night. Uh, if the police officer happened to not be at that police checkpoint, I would probably be unquestionably dead. Another car driving by me at night, run over my head, I'm dead. Cop had two choices. Sitting so, I mean, the cop had two choices where it was either chase the guy, make the arrest, or save my life. And I'm forever grateful he saved my life and brought me to TGH because it was a one-way street, again, off the strip where bars and restaurants are. It sucks what happened to me, but it's worse what happened to my mom, my family up in New York. They got a call in the middle of the night. Hey, if this is your son, can't say much on the phone, but he may not make it. My mom and parents had to scramble together all this money in the middle of the night to get in the plane. Only flights available right away were to Lauderdale. My parents had to fly to Fort Lauderdale, and before they boarded that connecting flight to Tampa, they had to call TGH and say, hey, he's been still here. So that what they had to go through, I don't wish upon my worst enemies, parents, you know, and I know it took a toll, not just on me, but everybody around me. So I think it's my duty to keep doing what I'm doing, keep putting on and putting people on my podcasts and books and just giving back through everything I've been through because I was here for a reason, whether religious, spiritual, you know, something happened and I'm still here. So I don't take that lightly. And like you said, this happened at the age of 21. Was this for you your first big challenge or were there challenges before this? I mean, I know you mentioned, you know, you're not, uh, you know, tall and athletically gifted by any means. Were there other challenges before this one? Oh, I was athletically gifted. I'm just saying there's a point after high school where you got to decide where to focus your energy. I was never an exceptional athlete, but I played wrestling, baseball, cross country, there were ups and downs and I had some adversity young with some passings in the family. And that was big for me, but nothing like this, Leo, this, this situation, I was 21 years old, the whole world ahead of me. I'm applying for jobs, getting ready to graduate. And then I got told because of something I didn't do, I got to go home. I'm a liability on campus. I have a TBI. I got to get cleared by doctors. I am social media senior year. That toll on your mental health is a whole new story. I ended up deleting all my social media. And honestly, if it weren't for business, I probably wouldn't have any social media. I give the, my subscribers and followers a look into my personal life 
because I am grateful for their support in my journey, but I've never really, I'm not really fond of the way the majority uses social media and what they use it for. I use it to share my message and hopefully inspire some folks along the way. Yeah, I was definitely inspired by your post of your friends from college. You know, I, I think you went, to, you went to school in Florida, right? Went to school, University of Tampa. University of Tampa, and you have this photo of you, and it looks like maybe 10 other friends, and uh, and, and, and it really resonated with me because I just went home for homecoming. And it's so special and so nourishing to be able to hang out with friends that and people that you have a history with, you know, that you know, you spent four to five years of your life uh, with and, and you have these shared stories and to catch up with them. How, how was that experience for you to, to hang out with your friends from college? Yeah, those formative years, you become a man. In those years, you meet your friends in high school, but you meet your, your family in college. I feel maybe a select few, of course, in, in high school. But that picture is, a, you know, at Vincent A. Lance on Instagram. It's one of my recent posts. That picture is actually at TGH. And it just gives me hope and motivation because that's how close that group of people was. Even more people, we were like a family at that point. I'm in a wheelchair there. My brother, John, from he lives in Trinidad, holding my wheelchair, everybody around me. Once I was able to have visitors, I mean, it was just amazing because I was able to walk out of the hospital, get wheeled outside instead of just being in the hospital bed, which we all know isn't the best. But I couldn't have visitors for a while because it was confusing with a traumatic brain injury. No electronics. You can't have anything like that because no TV because you can be so all over the place. I mean, I was a guy, thought I was in kindergarten, waking up riding an arm bicycle any morning. And riding an arm bicycle. If you've ever done that, you know how tedious that is and how much you don't want to do that. And I realized that once I snapped a little bit back to reality, once I was probably maybe an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old. No, but once I got a little better from that five-year-old self realization if you will i it was just never looking back i was just one gear go and i wanted out of that hospital i wanted back into tampa but i had to fight for it and so once you're out the hospital um you know i understand there's the you have to go back and forth from the hospital uh for rehab was there any uh mental health uh support that you received a, a therapist a counselor somebody that you could talk to which therapist didn't I have, Leo? We're talking speech therapist, behavioral therapist, occupational therapist, psychologist, you know, psychiatrist. Everybody played their role with me. And it's it's awesome because now that I'm one of the boards at TGH, Lisa Stanley was my speech therapist at the time when I was a patient. And she's still at TGH. We're both on this board together. So I got to, you know, reconnect and forge a friendship with her. Dr. Angelica Acre still up there, Jamie Powell, Robin, and Ellen Fitz, you name it, the TGH family. And of course, CEO John Chorus is an amazing individual. Um, if anything had to happen, if this had to happen, I'm glad I got brought to TGH because not only the quality of care, but the family I've been able to make there. I've traveled to Tallahassee, our state capital, to advocate with legislators about causes dear to my heart and causes that support quality of care over just any care because of what happened to me you know it's interesting you brought up how tv social media those were things that they said that you couldn't expose yourself to you couldn't turn it on because it could it could trigger confusion uh and maybe some other episodes with the traumatic brain injury um i think a lot of us even minus traumatic brain injury 
are not aware of how TV and social media can trigger us into some type of emotional episode, some type of uh, hallucination or reactivity. Could you speak to that? Because you talked about how you would not have social media anymore if it wasn't for business. Oh, man. Uh, They gave me one shot. Oh, this is a good one. They gave me one shot after maybe two weeks. I got out of the coma about six days or something, and some time goes by. I get my phone or something for the first time. I'm on Facebook telling everybody, hey, I'm coming home. Come meet me at my house. I'm going to shower. Because I live so close to the hospital, I was envisioning this like a hotel. I'm going to go shower at my house and come back. This whole type thing. And I'm on the, I'm out there telling people, come link up in my house. Come hang. My mom is getting calls on the cell phone. My cousin's at the hospital. Created a whole frenzy. And safe to say that was the last time I got to enjoy electronics in my stay at TGH. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, it was a something else, man. So you talked about how your mom was there to support you. You felt supported by your brother. Uh, going to the meetings at the hospital, you had a speech therapist, a psychiatrist, an occupational therapist, psychologist. You had a whole team. W- was there anybody or anything else that gave you strength? Are you religious at all? I am religious. I was raised Catholic, but in the experiences I had, I definitely found God in a new way. I was, I can't, you can't even describe some of the points you was at because you don't remember them. It was just such a blur for so many parts. And I'm giving a lot of the, probably the most preview to my book left for dead, a story of redemption I ever have, because this is me and Leo's third time sitting down with each other. I want to give a good show. I'm talking where the confusion got so bad. I, Thought the because the hospital's overlooking the water at Tampa General, and I thought we were on a boat. I thought I was on a movie set at one point, filming commercials. My buddy Richie, who's Doctor Basio, he's in both of my mental health books. Mister Lancey talks mental health and Mental Health Week as the expert. But we grew up in high school together and went to college together. I have vivid memories of him bringing his his truck, his Range Rover, into the hospital on the ramp, and we're just driving on a movie set, like you name it. It was the most confusing time in the world. And then just to look back, just so how grateful I am where, you know, there was a point I didn't get my memory back for six and a half years, or I should say, I didn't notice a significant change in my memory for six and a half years. You know, the, the, the road that I went on, I'm just looking forward to gaining more visibility and more credibility so I can share my story more getting on podcasts like yours, because I, have, I like to share what I went through because I know I'm not the only person who ever went through something similar. I know that I'm not the only TBI or the only time someone lived in the hospital for a month or the only coma. You know, you name it. I want to help you through my journey. And when you look more into me after this episode, whether it's my books or my podcast, I really work hard to give you a piece of my life to help you. And so to peel back the layers a little bit, you know, like you said, this accident took place at 21 and, and there were some challenges i mean nothing like what you went through at 21 in your childhood can you share with us a a challenge or two that you underwent even before this i would say i want to highlight one challenge what missed of it just because of the power of the story and i really want to share that with your audience if that's okay i had this brain injury i did my finance degree and once that was done you know at this point i wanted more I didn't know what more was, 
but I wanted more. So I studied for my GMAT. I'm putting in the work. I'm talking eight hours studying. I I was in a break between classes. I wasn't allowed back on campus. Still in denial that I would be any different, that my brain was different. I'm talking eight, nine hours a day, taking these practice tests eventually and bombing them, failing them miserably. And I can't connect the dots why I'm doing bad on these tests. I'm saying study for months at a time, two months through this test, take the test. Don't do very well. I end up getting waitlisted from a, from schools. I just want to share that story because to never give up on something, if you set your mind to it, no matter how odds are stacked against you, you can do it. I ended up getting waitlisted and going to grad school. It changed my life because I would have been in the corner office, finance banker, and that would have been it. And um, how many, thank God that I found a different way because what some people love, some people, it's not for other people. And I, once I got a taste of that for one more time after my brain injury, I knew that after going for my MBA, my personality, the tools I learned at school and through my experiences, I'm better off giving back through my story. And that's what actually led me and you to talking, Leo, because I went down this journey. Absolutely. It's our story where we can find our glory. And I, I, yes. I want to emphasize that for the listeners because uh, a lot of people are going through things and there's, so, and there's so much shame around it, so much guilt, and they're afraid to share their story. And it's through sharing our stories that we find others who have been through a similar experience. Not the same, not, not completely identical, but, you know, uh, like you said, some people have, every, a lot of people have been in car accidents. Some people have been in coma. Some people have had to stay in a hospital for a month. Some people have had to learn how to speak again. Uh, or, you know, speak differently. I, you know, I, I had a lisp growing up and I, and I still get it. Like when I get exhausted mm -hmm. um, and, you know, having to work with a psychologist and a psychiatrist and uh, people with rods in their knees or their, their legs or their arms. And so the, the, maybe the whole story is not relatable, but there's a part of the story that uh, we can connect with and bond on and, and vibe with and, uh, and, and find a, a commonality. So uh, it's so important to share your story, whether it's verbally, whether you write it down, maybe if, even if it's in your journal, but to get your story out there with a therapist, with a friend, with somebody. Mm -hmm. Well said, Leo. Vincent, right now you are, how old are you? I just turned 30 in August. All right, so you're 30 years old. How long did you, would you say from the time you left the hospital to that you started to feel like all right i'm I'm back to a hundred or at least ninety eight percent or wherever you were like okay i'm I'm good I don't think I'll ever be there, and it's not sad it just is what it is. I accept whatever new version of Vincent this is, and I leverage its strengths the best I can. Like I said, I didn't really notice a big shift in my memory for about six and a half years when I was writing my first book where I'm so used to writing everything down after I think it because I anticipate me forgetting it. And then I just remembered something at one point and it just put the biggest smile on my face, uh, very similar to the first time I made the running motion again. I can't run on pavement again because I have the rod in my leg. It is what it is. But the first time I was able to do a running motion, it, it was like surreal, I swear. <laughs> and have you had to change your the way you eat? I was going to say diet, but I don't like that word. Have you had to be uh, uh, more mindful about what you're consuming? Because we know that certain foods can cause inflammation in the body, in the brain. Uh, what adjustments have you had to make in that arena? 
Well, since I've learned more about mental health because I've made it a priority, I started advocating it, especially with the podcast, like I've had you on learning from you. Diet's going to come up a thousand times and it's it's not for a wrong reason. I put it in my books, even the kids' book, because I want people to know that if you think about it, you eat bad stuff, you eat a lot of fast food or something, chances are you're not feeling too hot after that. You're having fruits and vegetables, some chicken, some rice. You're feeling better and you're getting more energy from that healthy food. I'm not a dietitian, so don't take anything I say as um, advice over in your nutritionist or whatever. But for me, eating cleaner, uh, it goes a long way. I think I feel like it lengthens my day. It helps me think more clearly. And that's not to say I don't have a cheat meal here or there. I'm Italian. I love pizza. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat macaroni here and there. Uh, Something's got calories, and you know, I think that another lesson is don't limit to yourself to happiness. Life's too short. Uh, doing things that make you happy, eating things in moderation, if it's that bad, that make you happy, that's going to improve your mental health. Doing things you like, it's going to put a smile on your face. I love that. And you know, you brought up memory, and my girlfriend's, you know, I'm always forgetting things like I forgot our anniversary, birthdays, all that kind of thing. Not that I, I forgot, like, you know, didn't do anything for it, but like, you know, I had to be reminded that it was coming up. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's in a week. Um, I got how, the calendar phone, man. Yeah, got the yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> got it on that repeat, you know, every year. Every year. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, what about relationships for you, intimate relationships? Um, because, you know, before you talked about how the traumatic brain injury can affect mood, memory, all those things that would be vital in connecting with someone else. Where are you at in that arena? Um, I've chose entrepreneurship over significant other. That's, that doesn't mean I don't date, but it means that I've really been all in on this journey and I'm really, really close, I feel, to really putting myself in a financial area where Maybe I can give a, a female some time, but there's just no way in the world I can dedicate enough time where it's fair to you to be in a relationship with you. I'm up, you know, 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. is my standard workday, six days a week in the gym, somewhere between, you know, four and five. And my day, some days go a little longer. Like today, I have a five o'clock Eastern because I'm dealing with somebody on the West Coast. I'm just so committed to my dream and I had one foot in one foot out for so long where this doesn't pay anything at one point where I was okay I had a finance degree I was doing financial advising real estate all why deterring time from this said all right all in at one point my grandma's dementia was getting bad went back up to New York for a little bit and just took the time to leave corporate again and work a couple lower paying jobs to make time for the book to make the dream come true. I was teaching English to kids in Beijing, 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. and half-hour classes grinding. After that, I would do expo work in a kitchen or be a helper for a day or a laborer, some kind of work. I can't do too much because of my injuries, but I can be a helper and just pick up things, what have you, learn. I was just grinding to make the dream happen. So I do hope one day things fall into place, but I'm not into forcing anything, and I'm not going to force something, especially if there's not time to make it happen. I love that. And at any point of this journey, were there thoughts of ending your life? I don't say I ever battled with suicide, but depression, sure. And it could really date back to the beginning where 
I was just 21 years old. Social media is popping. It's brand new Instagram, 2013. Everybody's on. I'm a senior. Everybody's doing fun stuff all the time. And I'm watching from my bed. With the traumatic brain injury, that was a real big toll on me, that type of stuff, which I think probably corresponds to why I don't have any, I don't like using social media now. The doctors in the beginning gave me a whole bunch of pills because of things that may happen when you didn't even know, you know, I was just getting put on pills. At one point, I thought I was living in a cloud. So I had to slowly wean myself off everything. I'm trying to, that's why I'm big into exercise, eating healthy, because I'm trying to do these things as natural as possible. And I think that's really gone a long way for me uh, on this entrepreneurial journey. I'm sure for you too, because your days are long as well. Doing a few good things can carry a lot of momentum. I love that. And uh, is there anything that you're reading or, or listening to that's really feeding your brain? I, I know you're, you're spending a lot of time writing, but are, are there any books that you've read that, that you, fiction or nonfiction? That, that really uh, nourished you along the way? I've been trying to hold myself accountable with the reading. I do a 20 minute, I plan out every day, uh, you know, at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. I got a whiteboard, I plan it out. I write down the three most important things I need to do before bed every day. Because when I get to that, I need to find time for reading. If I get too busy, I won't do it. So I pencil it in, 20 minutes of reading. Right now, I am, as I read, I take notes because what's the point of the book if you don't use it? The one-page marketing plan by Alan Dibb. He was actually episode 100 on my That Entrepreneur Show podcast, trying to find way new ways to market myself. I had a notebook as I went through it, so I'm rereading that. And I'm finishing up uh, Three Word Rebellion by Dr. Michelle Mazur. She was on my shows as well. She talks to you about creating your own one-of-a-kind message and in this three-word message. And I am on page 95 of that book, so we'll be finishing that up soon. Both of those books... Uh, I recommend, I wish one thing I did earlier was read self-help books, improvement books, audio books, whatever you want. Uh, I, I think it could go a long way because I have trouble tuning into outside podcasts often because when I'm not working, I need that off switch. I need to turn myself off. I don't want to, I put so much time working 12 to 18 hours a day. Sometimes that business podcast is just a little over the, the push for me. I got to take care of my mental health. I can't overload myself. As an entrepreneur, I find myself running myself down far too often, but I'm trying to be more mindful of that. As we're recording this today, uh, 1.05 p.m. Eastern, I've already done five Zooms on my end because I'm grinding up, getting ready to go see my family next weekend. Got to grind it out, but I'm making sure I take my breaks throughout the day and the weekend will have my mental health day. And, and, you know, last two questions, you talk about taking breaks throughout the day. So what is your what does a break look like? And I ask this because thank you. Yes. A lot of people think that they're taking a break, think they're recovering, they're recuperating. And really, they're not. Because like you said, listening to a podcast, watching TV, scrolling through social media, those really aren't breaks. It doesn't allow your brain to shut off. So what does your break look like? Love it. Thank you for asking this because this is a huge confusion point. I highlight all this in my ebook, my second book. And I created this just during the pandemic because people were working remote and they didn't know what to do. I've been working remote for a while. It's called How to Transform Your Mindset When the Norm Has Changed. I call them productive breaks or mental health breaks. I'm talking laundry. Not looking at the computer for me is my thing. Not looking at the computer. Taking a walk to my mailroom about five minutes down the way, coming back. No phone, no distractions, taking in the natural noises, the natural sounds, the air. I'm doing things that are in a productive sense. Going through social media, 
We all know where that rabbit hole comes from. You can get down there real quick and then just defer your day. You don't need to feed your mind with that junk for, for that point. There are a lot of productive parts of social media, like the way I use it, but you shouldn't really get distracted with your schedule just to check your timeline. It's, that's not going to put you in the right place. You want to just really detox from your the stress of working, but not engage in an activity that's going to take your day off the table and make you want to close up shop. Some so, dishes, maybe. So you talked about laundry, dishes, going for a walk. Is there anything else you, you want to throw in there? Hmm. Let me think. Um, well, like when I wake up, a big key, I'll give you, this is a real big golden nugget for your listeners, Leo. Morning routine is something I take pride in. I've had multiple articles written, I've written, published for my morning routine. Once you wake up, whether it be alarm or natural alarm clock, like me, I have the natural alarm clock. You set a 15 minute alarm on your phone. You do not look at any screens for 15 minutes. That's where I do some of these things. I just, these productive breaks, I insert them in there as well. I'll leave my counter um, unwiped off. I'll leave one dish next to the sink. Something just to get my juices flowing, getting my eyes off the screen, getting ready to rock and roll. From there, I do a 55 minute alarm. And then I take a five minute eyes off the screen, then a 50 minute alarm. And then I'm going to the gym, eyes off the screen for two hours. You name it, that's that's what works best for me. I love that. Eyes off the screen. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I had Dr. He Andrew Heberman on, and he talked about when we're looking at a screen, it prevents our eyes from wandering side to side, and it's that side-to-side -side motion that uh, relaxes us and calms our central nervous system. When we're focused on one thing at a time, or not one thing at a time, but when our eyes aren't moving side-to-side, it, uh, it actually increases our cortisol levels. So not only are we getting this negative feedback from social media and TV, but then also our, our body is becoming more and more tense. And, and, and a proof of that, I've noticed that like if I'm watching TV for too long and I cut it off, I take a big exhale. All of a sudden, like my shoulders drop, I can feel my heart rate lower, and I'm just like, whoa, I didn't realize I was that tense. You know, even if you're watching a comedy, um, just, you know, to be locked into something for so long. So I appreciate you mm -hmm. sharing, doing laundry, doing the dishes, going for a walk. Uh, you know, for me, I also might meditate. I started, I picked up the guitar and, and nice. so practicing the guitar. Um, I'm, you know, I can't, I'm not playing any songs, but just practicing, like you said, eyes off the screen, doing something where I'm not looking at this, uh, I don't know, what is it, three by five, however big the, the I mean, it's is. a nightmare. I, I, you, unfortunately, you need a social presence. I've had the problem where since I don't enjoy social media very much, since I don't use it as much, I don't gain followers as quickly. I've had trouble getting newer representation because I don't have, they want these 20,000, 30,000 followers. And I said, listen, I can go buy them like everybody else is doing. Or you can just rock with my real followers, my real subscribers who appreciate my content or are involved with me some way and follow me. So the social world, it is what it is. I just feel like I have a presence as far as money comes. I feel I don't feel a school or a business won't hire me because I don't post every day opposed to having a presence, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you do talk at, at a lot of schools. I, I've seen the photos where yeah. you're talking at elementary schools, you're talking at high schools, you're talking at businesses. Uh, is there is there a story that someone has shared with you from all these talks and all the messages you've received and the books that you've written 
that has stuck with you that 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 feeds you and keeps you on a journey yeah well something i i don't i try to be humble with everything i do i need to ask for more recommendations and testimonials on my website vincentalancy.com i've got all of those but the one that stuck out the most was not a written recommendation i was at it was thanksgiving week when i first started doing my speaking right my brain injury for a few years i would go there so let the kids know what they should be thankful for. I'd be in the little theater at Northport High School. Shout out to the Tigers. And it would be different classes would come down during the period, different periods. And I would do a presentation. You know, the principal had said, he said, I've never seen these kids not on their phones for so long, Ben. Thank you. But these kids, the kids that would come up to me and say, thank you. Like they got something out of that. These little kids, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And then I go up to the high school with ninth, 10th, 11th grade. Well, they care about is they're friends you know they, it's a different world they're paying attention to me and these kids are coming out to me saying hey thank you uh, and they they took something away that's what it's all about and you obviously want to positively impact the whole world but you got to take baby steps and when you're in an engagement if you could really impact one person hopefully all of them but really get to one person your job's done i love it and what are you looking forward to vincent a lancy I am looking forward to Thanksgiving, man. It's my favorite holiday. Families all together, best food, uh, some good football on. This year, um, probably going to be spending it in Florida, actually. First time away from my mom, dad, and sister. I'm going home next weekend, whenever this airs, November 14th. Jets, Bills, not looking forward to the cold, but I'm looking forward to seeing some friends and family doing a little group game over there in the Meadowlands. Um, but Thanksgiving, I love that. My aunt here in Florida, probably spending with my aunt Pat here. Um, Thanksgiving, man. It's the, my favorite. I love it, man. I love your zest for life. Your family, your friends, thankful for what, you know, everything in front of you. It's going to be a good day. A good day indeed, man. Thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, plug all your things. You already talked about your website. Plug it again, Vincent A. Lancy. Go ahead and, and brag about yourself. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to do so, Leo. And I want to thank you again for inviting me on your show. I always have a good time with you. My last name is L-A-N-C as in Carl I. That's my last name. My handles are at Vincent A. Lancy on all social media. YouTube is Vincent A. Lancy. Definitely subscribe to that channel because that's where you get the exclusive show, Writing with Authors, which we're going to have to get Leo on and Vince Story share as well as just exclusive videos i just started doing that at youtube channel because i had the shiny object syndrome with instagram for far too long i'm sorry for neglecting all you youtubers um and also definitely drop me your youtube channel so i could be sure sure to support you and subscribe to you as well the books that everybody would love on this platform again is mr lancy talks mental health and mental health week they're both on amazon so you can prime them tomorrow if you wanted a signed copy or bulk orders please let me know, DM me or email me info at vincentalancy.com as well for speaking engagements. You heard me on Leo's podcast. You let me know that we'll find a way to discount some of that cost for sure. I love it. And last question, because always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them? Vincent A. Lancy. Just want to let you know that, everybody is going through something dark but if you take a second to think of some of the happiest moments in your life just know those moments are going to come again for every dark day it just means a brighter day is tomorrow if it's raining today that just means the sun's coming out tomorrow just got to have a little patience and faith but you can make it thank you vincent a lancy thank you listeners for tuning in 
Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or the other uh, international phone numbers that are in there. If you live in Italy, if you live in uh, Bulgaria, if you if you live in, uh, you know, Nairobi, wherever you are, there's an international phone number for you listed in the show notes. You can talk, you can text, you can chat. You call a friend, call an enemy. Enemies always willing to talk to you and hear about your pain. They, they revel in it. So, <laughs> yeah. so call somebody, call customer service. Uh, they're not doing anything. They get paid to talk. As long as you don't curse at them, they can't hang up on you. So uh, call somebody. Somebody wants to hear your pain. They want to hear your story. They want to hear your story. Your story is worthy. That's where your glory is. You can always go to one 800 You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Vincent. Thank you so much for inviting me to interact with your audience. Everyone, thank you for giving us the time.